You've found the Digging Oak Island podcast, a podcaster's journey to discover the truth behind the Oak Island mystery. I'm Dave McBride. Thank you so much for downloading and listening. If you've been listening to and enjoying our little podcast, please consider helping us out by becoming a patron. Go to patreon.com slash Island to learn more. All right, so let me start the show off again by mentioning the Patreon. Uh, listen, guys, over the last year or two, I have done a few ads on the show, um, but honestly, I wasn't a big fan of doing it. I prefer to keep this podcast totally ad-free if it's at all possible, and the best way I can do that is by making it entirely listener-supported, and the best way to do that is through Patreon. So if you think this show is worth five bucks a month to you, then please consider becoming a patron. Uh, patrons also get access to a live chat during the U.S. broadcast of each new episode of The Curse of Oak Island. And I got to tell you, uh, that chat has made this entire podcasting process so much more fun. Uh, again, go to patreon.com slash Island to sign up. Uh, it's five bucks a month. You can cancel anytime. I appreciate everybody uh, for considering that. And my sincerest thanks goes out to John who, uh, for recently joining the Patreon. Thank you so much, my friend. Welcome to the Diggin' Oak Island family. Uh, John sent me a comment after joining that said, quote, I love the podcast. Quite honestly, I enjoy it more than the show anymore. Glad I could support your good work. Keep it up. Makes the morning dog walks that much more enjoyable. <laughs> I really enjoy the kind words, John, and I really also appreciate you and your generosity as well. Now, if you would like to help the podcast out, but prefer to do it with a one-time donation rather than a monthly thing, you could do that too. The only way I can do that, though, is through a Venmo account I use for my business that is, I'm a musician by trade, if you don't know that, uh, and you could Venmo me at Dave McBride Music if you want to do that. People have asked for that in the past. It's the only reason why I'm mentioning it. You see, the thing is here, the podcast takes a lot of time and resources, and it really is thanks to you guys, um, you guys listening and your generosity, that we have been able to continue with it as long as we have. Again, thank you for the help. And if you want to help the podcast out in another way and you don't don't want to do it financially, that's great. Leave us a five-star rating and review uh, anywhere you get your shows. Um, that helps get the word out on the show, gets us up on the listenership, and that always is a good thing. So anyway, all right. Now, some more inside baseball stuff here. Uh, last week, uh, life kind of invaded on my podcasting plans. I was hoping to do a preview show. I had put out the call for this kind of stuff, but a family thing forced me to spend the week at a beautiful spa resort in northern Vermont. I know, the sacrifices we make for our families. Uh, anyway, uh, but we did get some preseason comments from listeners. I wanted to mention them here before we get into the new episode and uh, maybe say a little bit more about what I hope to see this season as well. I will say this, uh, even though our listenership is still pretty good and still as strong as it was a year ago, we got a lot fewer responses to um, predictions and these, you know, your thoughts before season 10 than we have in the past years. I, that makes me worry for the ratings. I guess we'll keep an eye on that and hopefully things turn back around here. Okay, so let's start with Brian on the Patreon, who writes, two things jump out to me. One, where does the road go to or towards? Money pit or just the other side of the island? Don't think we have heard that yet. Second, go hard after large cavities around the money pit area. If they are truly there, you have to. Otherwise, quit talking around it. Great stuff, Brian. You know, you never know, even from episode to episode, what projects will be focused on or what we'll see come to completion. 
But it does appear as we get into this uh, to this episode 10 here that you might get a little bit of what you want this season, at least to some degree. It's hard to make any promises, but it does seem that way. Okay, let's go now to our friend Steve, who says, and he's got a good one. Dave, hope you and the family are doing well and had a great summer. As requested of your listeners, here are some thoughts about what I think season 10 of The Curse of Oak Island might have in store. Appropriately, I offer 10 predictions. (laughs) Here they go. One, my vibe is that this will be the last season. If not, it'll be the last season of any substance in History Channel, and Prometheus will just milk the concept as long as they can. This, I think, unless they fundamentally shift the format of the show and start to focus more on historical research to back theories and less on 50 more ox shoes. That was an interesting thing you wrote there a couple of weeks ago. You'll see why when we get into the review. Uh, Two, alternatively, because Marty and Craig are funding much of of this beyond the History Channel's funding, they might be used as the out to conclude the show. Quote, you know, we're businessmen with other businesses. We're running out of ideas and just become too expensive, that kind of thing. Three, the Muon tomography, I hate that word, I'm very bad at that word, will yield some tantalizing clues, but they'll drill and dig, it'll yield nothing conclusive. Four, their search locations will continue to be constrained by the Canadian provincial government. There'll be much weeping and gnashing of teeth. Five, they'll continue to make dramatic proclamations about uninteresting finds like nails. A nail on Oak Island? Could it be a nail from the box that holds the Holy Grail? Nice, Steve. Six, more digging will be done in the swamp where they'll mostly find wood of spurious origin and make grandiose claims about where it came from. The Romans, Phoenicians on Oak Island, if they first more First Nations artifacts instead, they'll be more griping about the government. Seven, they'll spend several episodes unearthing the continuance of the Stone Road as it leads into the uplands just to prove or disprove whether it runs to the money pit. Then, if it does offer a mostly conjecture about why it does, except for Clotworthy's writers who will insist it proves the Ark of the Covenant with Shakespeare's manuscripts are inside and buried in the money pit. Eight, my guess is that they'll go all in on the Portuguese Order of Christ theory, then try to tie everything they find to it. I'm going to stop there again. They do tend to do that, but they do that on a, on a season by season, often episode by episode basis, right? Anyway, nine. I think we'll learn they'll plan to drop another four to six large uh, diameter can in the money pit area, which will yield nothing. And 10, I will continue to religiously watch while sipping a bourbon, complaining about everything above, and still watch every episode <laughs> until they cancel the show. Thanks for all you do Keep the discussion to keep the discussion going, Steve. Steve, as usual, you've nailed it there. Uh, I think you speak for many viewers with your predictions here. Um, you know, will this be the last year? It's hard to say. Um, that depends on the viewership, I think, as always. Um, and will this be the year they solve the mystery? Will they ever solve the mystery? Let me say it like this. I wouldn't bet on it. I mean, the history of failure on this island is long and storied and repeated time and time again. Now, having said all that, if anyone could do it, it's this group of treasure hunters as they are by far the best funded and um, best resourced group really ever to tackle the Oak Island mystery. And and by a long way, too, when you think about it, nobody ever really came close. So if anyone can do it, they can. But with, the, with every passing year where we see all these incredible resources thrown at the mystery with little results, the idea of a solution just kind of seems farther and farther off. All right, staying on the Patreon, Amanda, who had a comment I wanted to read, she wrote... Um, 
I don't have any predictions or questions, but I do have a kind of a crazy story that I think this community might appreciate and possibly have suggestions for me. My husband, Mike, is from New Jersey, and I grew up in a tiny town in West Texas that no one has ever heard of called Bronte. I think that's how you say it. Uh, we now live just outside of Fort Worth, Texas. After watching the Beyond Oak Island episode last fall with Hoppy Eubanks and the lost San Saba mine, Mike fell in love with Hoppy and wanted to end, uh, take on some of his characteristics. He bought the cowboy hat, started growing his long beard again, and jokingly wanted us to call him Hoppy. We thought how cool it would be to some to someone get involved with the hunt since it's only about an hour's drive from us. Then just a couple of weeks ago, we saw the best of Oak Island episode, uh, the best of Beyond Oak Island episode, and to our dismay, saw that Hoppy had passed away on Mike's birthday. After a few days of thinking how strange it was, I wanted to search online to see if anything came up. I found Hoppy's obituary, and lo and behold, he was born in Bronte. I feel like these are signs that we're supposed to get involved somehow, some way, but not sure how. I've Googled his treasure hunting partner, Ted Underwood, to no avail. I don't know if anyone else, I don't know if anyone else, maybe a family member, is going to continue the search. Anyone know anything or have any ideas? Amanda, that is an incredible story. Uh, I admit I am absolutely no help. Uh, but if anyone else who's listening knows of any way to help, you can certainly email me, diggingoakisland at gmail.com, and I'll absolutely forward it on to you, Amanda. Amanda, good luck. Um, I'm not a believer in fate or signs or things like that, but that story you told there is really something else. <laughs> we wish you all the success in your endeavor there. Anyway, let's finish up across the pond with Ian who in the UK who writes, Hi, Dave. First, many thanks for all the great work you do on the podcast. My favorite things have been and always will be the historical aspects uh, and the stories associated with the island. In particular, from your podcast, not associated with the island, was your series you did on Captain Kidd. I also purchased the book, Why We Love Pirates, and wow, what an enjoyable read. I love the dedication you demonstrate throughout the year to this podcast and enjoy your passion in all areas. My favorites are the crackpot sessions. Wouldn't it make a great podcast or series of podcasts for your show to look at all the crackpot sessions and put them together in a show or a small series of shows? As you mentioned with the listeners' questions after your interview with Corey and Maul, uh, the real interest is the history. The crackpot sessions are trimmed down so much on the show, but if they cannot see the real benefit of showing these as real insightful stories, maybe you could. Just a thought. The interview with Laird was a real eye-opener, and I would love to know who the other person was. Perhaps Billy with his connections. Who knows? Okay, let me interrupt here. I love your idea there. I am thinking about trying to focus more next off-season, which is really the only time we can do it, on maybe theories and theorists. Um, just kind of something to keep in mind. I always love the history, too. And there's only a handful of theories that really interest me. You know, of all these, there's certainly the history has tons of theories out there. But there's only a few that really interest me. So I'm not sure I'll make an entire off season, uh, but maybe I can start reaching out to theorists and get a better idea. We do have a few of them on here. You know, we've met, uh, spoke with James McQuiston. We spoke to Corey and Maul. Um, you know, so there are we, there are avenues to take that, and that is a good suggestion. Um, every single theorist who has ever appeared on the show has said the same thing. They talked for hours with the guys, and all the viewer got to see was five minutes of the best. This is in my mind, is what the show can do to make the show better and more appealing. Focus on more theorists and do truly do a deep dive into the possibilities and issues, not only just not only the possibilities of the theory, but the issues that come along with it, right? The things that could prove it wrong. I and mean, that's probably a pipe dream. But like you said, Ian, maybe we can do that here. 
in the future on the podcast. Anyway, Ian continues. I am a believer in there is something there on the island. Treasure, maybe not, but some knowledge, I believe, is the treasure. To what end, only time will tell. No matter what the detractors say, it will be, it will still, it is still by, by far my favorite TV show purely for the history and the stories that all seem to be intertwined across the world. Once again, many thanks, David. Hope you and your family are well. My kindest regards from the UK, Ian. Thank you, Ian. Great stuff. It's my favorite as well. Um, it's my favorite show as well. I know sometimes people don't think that <laughs> because of the criticisms that we offer up here on the podcast, but it really is. Nothing, and I mean nothing, would please me more than to see these guys complete this search and go home as the folks who solved the Oak Island mystery. We all want that. I mean, we want it for ourselves, but we want it for them as well because of how much we've grown to really like the Laginas and their partners. Anyway, great stuff, Ian. Now, before we uh, get into the new episode, let me say a few words about what I hope to see this season. Now, I've said this before, but I think it bears repeating here. What I want more than anything else is a return to history and the possibilities of Oak Island, which to me is what makes it so compelling. I would love to hear way more about the history of the search on the island, the history of the treasure hunt than we get on the show these days. And I'd also like to hear a lot more, like we were just saying, about theories, both proven and disproven. These things used to be a bigger focus on the show in earlier seasons than it is now, and I don't know why that is. The one complaint I can get more than anything else is, the, is a complaint over the constant flow of artifacts that seem meaningless to viewers. Nails and knock shoes and et cetera, et cetera. And you'll see what I mean and even in the next episode that we're going to talk about this episode here. We can all go many episodes without hearing Gary Drayton talk about a top pocket find or a Bobby Dazzler. We can all do that and we'd all be fine with that. Um, that's not why we're here. I think the producers maybe have lost a little bit of that truth. They, they, they haven't realized that over the last couple of seasons. Hopefully this year we see a change, or I do fear support uh, from the loyal viewers will begin to fade. If this episode is any mark, it looks like maybe we'll get a little bit more history and a little bit more theorization. We'll talk about that after the break. Okay, that's all right. For, that's everything for this uh, week's emails. Um, but guys, you know, if the season's back. The season's back on. The show is going. So it's time to get these emails back in. I want to hear what you guys think of each and every episode. So feel free to email me, digginoakisland at gmail.com. And like I said, let's take a short break, come back to talk about a new season of The Curse of Oak Island. All right, a couple of things here. First, I'm going to try something different than what I've done in past years. What I've done in past years is I've watched the show a couple of times, scripted things out, and uh, and posted. But in an interest to kind of make to post these episodes, these podcasts a little quicker, I'm going to try to do it a little bit more on the fly. Try to do it a little bit more just off notes and off memory, and talk a little bit more. Um, talk try to talk without being so polished. Uh, you can already tell that's going to be an issue. Uh, hope I'm not rambling too much, um, but I want to see if for the first couple of episodes of this podcast, first couple of weeks of the season, if I am able to actually get the podcast out a little quicker, which I, I really want to do. I want to be able to get it out like, you know, only the day or two at the most after the episode airs. Um, so, but having said that, what I also want to do here before we get into season 10, episode one, is talk a little bit about this the uh, drilling down pregame show that we got from Maddie Blake, um, which was pretty much a lot of sort of last season's reviews. It's, it's nice how they do that, but it also sets up a little bit 
about what we're going to see in the next episode and what we're going to see probably for the next couple of weeks and kind of just dives down a little bit deeper. Again, we're going to talk about these people and some of these things a lot more in our episode review, but just very quickly, um, there were a few things that stood out for me. Marty says that um, finding the source of the gold found in the water that Dr. Spooner found a couple of years back, he called that, quote, the pole star for me, meaning that is what he wants to focus the most on. Um, And we're going to hear about that a lot. And he is going to apparently do that throughout this season. Um, And that's really kind of cool, right? The money pit, um, you know, we're also finding out that they're going to do some look into some tunneling and some other things. Uh, Steve Guptill, I think, called a, a, a blob and a peacock or something, whatever that is. We don't really learn exactly what he means by that, but I keep those things in mind as we get to the uh, to the episodes, you know, as we get through the season, because obviously there's something there. He's making this interview with these guys deeper into the season. So what we're seeing in episode one is actually long before this shot, this the scene with Maddie Blake is shot in the war room here. They also introduce somebody we're going to see and we're going to meet in the first uh, first episode here as well. Emma Culligan, she's an archaeologist who's going to be doing the artifact analysis with the new lab equipment. Um, and Gary and Jack tease some metal detecting finds that they come up with on the west side of the island. Uh, you know, they also talk about how they're going to really focus in the money pit on tunneling leading to the garden shaft. Now, we all remember what the garden shaft was and the show explained it quite quite well. Um, for those who didn't see it, it's an old searcher shaft that is up kind of on the northern end of the money pit area. It's where they turned and they turned it into sort of a rock garden there, which they dedicated to the women of Oak Island's search. Um, it's also the one that Dan Hensky got the guys to sort of open up a little bit. And there was that ladder sticking out of there. You remember that one? That was back in 2017. Um, anyway, the garden shaft is going to play a big part in Dr. Spooner's water testing analysis that he's going to do, uh, which we're going to hear a lot about in this episode. So uh, keep all of that stuff in mind. Good sort of pregame sort of uh, just to remember what all this was about. They also mentioned Lot 26, um, uh, and they don't, you know, that there was a well that they found there. They kind of showed you this, but we didn't see it in the episode. So maybe we'll see this in the future. They show this well, this hole in the ground that's only a few feet off the beach and uh, or really off a pond that leads to the beach right next to the beach. And this is on lot 26 and interest. They find it interesting that the lot doesn't or that the well, excuse me, doesn't freeze. Uh, that is kind of interesting, although I don't think it's completely unusual, um, but it doesn't freeze over when this pond 10 feet away freezes, you know, 16 inches thick or something, something like that. It says, you know, um, it's not new. To the team, which is kind of what was weird about this, if you noticed, uh, Craig Tester said that they did water samples from this thing years ago, so they've been aware of this. So I don't know why they're showing it to us now. It'd be interesting to see as we move into the season whether or not we really do this. Really does play any kind of part. There's also a rock wall there that apparently Laird is doing some um, excavating on. So you know maybe just this little area here plays a little part in sort of the story of the history. Hard to say. Um, this is all the same loft, or sorry, same lot where the stone wharf was out in the water. Remember, we dove on that. Was it last year? Maybe the year before? We saw there was a stone wharf there. Anyway, you get what we're going at. We don't see this in episode 10, so this is kind of a neat little preview. Um, 
Also, later on in the episode, Marty uh, goes to the Interpretive Center and Laird and Emma are there, this new Emma Culligan, to show him all the things that happened here. Um, Laird makes a really interesting comment. He says that the Interpretive Center is perhaps the best archaeological lab east of Montreal in Canada. Now, that may not sound like much to us, but there's a lot of area that he's talking about there and a lot of universities. So the fact that they've put together this kind of equipment there really shows you how much this game is upped. And we're going to see that right in this episode. We saw a little bit of it last year, too. But the more they add to this, the better it becomes, and the more timely it becomes. Right. Um, Anyway. There's a lot of people doing uh, uh, archaeological investigations in that area of Canada. So for them to have the best lab, <laughs> according to an archaeologist, is pretty cool. The last scene, and the only other thing I'll mention, the last scene is shot um, on a lot that they call a new lot. Now, they don't say exactly what lot this is that they're able to work with. Um, the only kind of information I can give you is Lisa, one of our Patreons during the live Patreon discussion. She said that when they took a when she, I'll just read you directly. When we took a salty dog tour, our tour guide said Marty and Craig were able to buy a lot personally, lot five. So we might finally have um, a search over on lot five, but there's no confirmation of that here. We will see. But Lisa, here's hoping you're right. Okay, I promise we're going to take one more break and come back and talk about Season 10, Episode 1 of The Curse of Oak Island. All right, again, doing this from notes on the fly. Just a couple of things. There's only a couple of places where we really talked about. Um, we'll start off with the... Um, War room meeting that they have, Rick, Marty, Craig, Jack, and Alex come in their SUV and head to the war room where everybody's sitting and waiting for them. Um, Marty begins to talk about um, finding the source of the gold with Dr. Spooner. Again, That what he mentioned in Drilling Down is this is what he's going to care the most about to begin with. Uh, and that's what he starts off right away. And apparently the plan is they're going to do some new drilling. They're going to do 50 boreholes. Uh, to try and follow the flow of water to the source of the gold. So basically what they're saying is they'll be able to find out which direction the water flows underground through the money pit area and then basically use that information to find the source of whatever's causing these gold readings to come up in the water. Uh, Rick also brings up the muon technology that we mentioned a little earlier. Um, And Craig said the results of this are months away. So we're not going to hear much about that, I wouldn't imagine, until midway through the season. There's a rundown of a lot of plans. And uh, basically, again, we're using this as a review for last year. For those who didn't watch Drilling Down, a lot of this information is the same. Uh, but we also hear Rick mention that there are teams of researchers. We heard about this last year, too. And in particular, there are researchers in Portugal, Italy, the Azores, France, and London, according to Rick. So again, the hope here is that theories and research and history ends up being what we, um, you know, what we focus on a little bit more this year than we have in the past couple of years. All right, just a couple of places where they went uh, searching before we get to the money pit and finish up the podcast over there. Lot eight, uh, Gary is detecting with Marty. This is the middle of the island on the north side. This is where they found the brooch a few couple of years back. Uh, and then Gary finds an ox shoe. And of course, 
<laughs> the Patreon discussion lights up with hilarity. Uh, Claude's the first person who writes an Akshu. <laughs> uh, and really, he writes, Steve, our friend, writes, ladies and gentlemen, please mark Akshu on your Oak Island bingo card. And uh, again, my only comment I made was that we didn't even get one episode in and already I have to field complaints about the Akshu. Claude suggested we should drink a shot every time they find an Akshu this year. And I figure that might be dangerous. Um, so I don't know that I would do that uh, anyway. <laughs> so right off the bat, first sign, first thing we see, another Akshu. Uh, I guess it is what it is, is the best way to say that. Um, they also find something else that at first looks like the handle of a pistol. Um, I, or at least to Marty, it does. To me, it didn't. It, it looked too kind of curved for that. It didn't really look like the handle of a musket for me. Um, but it was hard to tell at first. Carmen Leg comes. They run it through this one of these scanners, and they get this printout of what it would look like behind the incrustation. And then Carmen says that, uh, and he's in the interpretive center. He comes and says that it is what he calls a bunk hook. Um, it's basically just a large hook for the end of a tr chain that you would put on a wagon or you would put on, uh, you know, uh, anything that you're pulling a pulley system or whatever it might be. It's for, you know, big cargo. It's a strong hook. Um, and he said the design goes back to the late 1500s. Um, Lori on the patron actually made a pretty cool kind of equated things here, which is that, um, could it just be that, this was likely there because there were oxes there. I mean, oxes move heavy things. Could the, could the oxes been used to move something? Yeah, that does seem like it makes sense. So the ox shoe and this hook certainly seem to uh, seem to kind of make sense with each other. There's no answers from this. We don't really know what this is. This is another one of those artifacts that's more frustrating than it is enlightening because we don't really know. It could be used for a lot of things. You know, it's easy for the show and it's easy for everybody to take this sort of artifact and extrapolate whatever you want out of it. But it really is a pretty mundane piece of hardware that could be used for a lot of things. And we know that there was farming on the island and we know that that farming and the results of that farming had to be put on ships and taken off the island because there was no causeway so you know or at least onto boats so there was hauling and there were oxes and we know all that so you know it doesn't seem very interesting to me but um you know it's certainly a cool artifact for sure now over on lot seven jack and uh later on in the show jack and gary are there as well and doing some metal detecting. And there they find a musket ball right away, which they sort of kind of, I don't know, sort of just, <laughs> how do I put it? Just sort of dismissed. Oh, look, a musket ball. This is pretty cool. Uh, they also find this little square metal piece that they're much more interested in um, that Gary thinks might be a coin. Uh, now, they take this to the interpretive center, this new incredible center that they have. And Laird and Emma put it through this CT scanner and Emma says that it is copper bronze and it's made with a lot of arsenic, which indicates that it's pre-16th century. Now, that's pretty cool, right? Because I always tell people at 1795, when the money pit was discovered, this island was inhabited. It probably was not inhabited <laughs> in pre-16th century time frame. Uh, and if it was, it probably wasn't inhabited by somebody making coins out of copper and arsenic so that it is a cool find doesn't mean it wasn't just dropped there from somebody but it's interesting um there's not a confirmation that it actually is a coin but everybody seems to think it is anyway 
Now, before we get to the money pit, the last thing I want to mention is the very final end of the show, which was a war room session with a researcher. And it's a video call with somebody named Gretchen Cornwall. Now, Gretchen Cornwall has been on the show before. She is a believer in the Knights Templar Oak Island theory. Um, to, To say she's just a researcher is not exactly true. Um, she's kind of a little bit of both a theorist and a researcher. She's written books on the subject. Um, so if you're looking for somebody who's trying to find evidence of a connection, this person is going to look just for that. And I don't know how much she's going to look for evidence that there is no connection. Right. So you see what I'm saying? Um, I guess I was kind of hoping for kind of more of a historian than, than a theorist, but be that as it may, she talks about a cave in England, that has symbols on it that she says equates to Oak Island. And the cool thing about this is that the conclusion is Marty and Alex are going to go over to England to see this. And like I said, we got some ox shoes, right? (laughs) But we also get this, which is kind of a little bit more of what we've been hoping for, a little bit more of the history behind Oak Island and theories behind it. And this is cool. Just like I love that, um, that trip to Portugal at the end of last season, the fact that we're starting off this year with something like this is really a, a good sign for what might be to come this year on the Curse of Oak Island. All right. So the other thing we did, it was a two-hour session here, a two-hour show. We were watching Oak Island for three hours last night. Uh, it was a two-hour show, but... The, they really focused much of their attention on the money pit, right? And we talked about in the opening war room session here that they're going to do 50 boreholes to try and find the flow of the water. So they do just that, and they do a borehole called K15.5. Um, and they just sort of give us a little show off, you know, a little setup of this. And then the next day we're back and they're drilling and Charles Barkhouse is there. He's kind of running solo. He finds a piece of wood at, at around 110 feet, which he thinks is a beam. And then there's more wood. And this kind of all indicates to the guys and the people doing the, the drilling itself that there is a void there of about five feet running from 103 to 108 feet. But, you know, at this point, it's early days. We don't know this for sure. But evidence is now suggesting, right, that the wood could be really old because it's adds cut and it's dark and all that kind of stuff. So this is what we're going to start looking into here. So the next borehole, which is close, is M16.25. And now Terry Matheson is there with Paul Troutman, who seems to be taking a much bigger role this year than he had last year. Um And they confirm in this hole as well that there is this four to five foot tunnel or what you'd call a void there. Um, And much of the team is, you know, excited about this. And what they're going to do is they're going to actually send a camera down. People always ask about this. Why don't they do that? Well, here you go. They're going to send a camera down into the void. Now, certainly the wood from this looks like a structure as they send this camera down. It doesn't look like debris. It looks like a structure and it looks like it was broken by the drill going down in there. Um, Cause I think if it were debris, it'd be more piled up, especially if it were from the collapse or from, you know, uh, <laughs> years of refilling in holes and that kind of thing. So as we get a better look, we certainly think that this is um, a structure um, and possibly an unknown tunnel. Now, could this be undocumented searcher work? Yes, it absolutely can be. 
one of the things that I tell you guys all the time, we talk on this show about, we talk like we know exactly what everyone did during their time searching on Oak Island. And I just want to remind you, the fact is, we do not know that. We know a lot. A lot of people have been interviewed. There's a lot of people who've done a lot of great research into it, even research done 125 years ago. But it's still not complete. We don't know where all these searcher tunnels were. You got to remember, treasure hunters keep things close to the vest. They don't like to tell everybody what they're doing. They just want to find it. <laughs> and then they'll tell you later. So it's a, it's a little different. You know, it's it's... It's easy to think we know everything, but we really don't. Anyway, let me continue. So they, the next thing they want to do is put a sonar scanner down into this hole, which, again, something I can't believe they've never done, a camera or a sonar scanner, down to this M16.25. And the results of this scanner show what really does look like spaced out beams going down a tunnel, you know, leading in what direction we'll find out in a minute. But... Um, you know, and it looks like a tunnel of about somewhere between three and five feet and does point out, uh, Rick points out that it does seem to have collapsed towards the end of it as we get, you know, less of a hit on these things. So there really is something here to look at and pretty cool. Um, anyway, it was hard for me to say really from looking at this, um, and there isn't much orientation here and we're going to get some of that. Uh, Steve Gupta will clear it up for us. It's hard for me to say just from looking at this and from the, the images that we got that there really is, um, I mean, there's something there. It is a tunnel. But whether it's searcher or not, we're not going to know that for quite some time. Now, we go to a war room discussion where Steve Guptill actually gives us the orientation, shows us the sonar results. It looks amazing. I love the the information he gives us here and how he plots it out. And it looks like it's heading towards this garden shaft again garden shaft, right? This is something we have not talked about in five years. We're hearing about it throughout this episode, the garden shaft. You got to keep that in mind. This is obviously going to be really big this year. <laughs> now, Craig has some carbon dating on that wood that I was talking about before that we thought was really old, but the comes out 1640 to 1810, which, you know, is weird. I mean, uh, it's it's a it's a strange thing. Uh, Steve on the uh, Patreon writes, "Haven't they pulled wood from the Money Pit area that C14 dated to like the 1400s or the 1500s? How can this be the oldest tunnel they ever found?" Which is what I think Jack Begley mentions, because they can't confirm that the others are tunnels. He asks, and that's true, right? So it's important to keep in mind. We've been hearing about tunnels. We've been hearing about all these things that people you know, say they've come across, we've went through the top of a tunnel. This is the only time that I remember that we're actually verifying using sonar and photography. We're verifying the existence of a tunnel still intact in the money pit. It's amazing to think 10 years in all this talk about tunneling and coming across tunnels. You're absolutely right, Steve. This is the first one that they have ever confirmed to be a tunnel. We have confirmed those dates, like you were mentioning, for wood pieces in the money pit, but they were taken out part of core samples. None of this type of stuff was ever done to verify an actual tunnel was still there and intact. So this is really exciting stuff. I find this, I, I really do find, <laughs> find this fascinating and being able to see this stuff, you know, 
Anyway, later on, we have a war room session with Dr. Spooner and somebody named Dr. Fred Michaels, who is a hydrogeologist. We're going to talk about this thing again that Marty said about trying to follow the water and the pace of the water uh, or the direction of it. Now, they say that the water flows south from the direction of the garden shaft to these other places where the water was tested. And that Spooner did testing in the garden shaft water and found that gold was traced there too. Um, this is a great project. This is what we're looking forward to, right? Marty calls this um, the most exciting thing we have going. I think it's a little bit more than that. I think this is one of the coolest pieces of television we've seen on this show in quite some time. I mean, what are the possibilities here? Can we get somebody down into this shaft? Can we get better images of the shaft? Can we drain the water and take a look at it? Can we find out what it is? We have finally found something intact in the money pit area, something that has was not completely destroyed from the collapse. Now, like I said, it could end up being an old searcher tunnel, but who knows? This is exciting stuff. I'm up for this one for sure, and I hope you are too. All right, that is going to do it for this episode of the Digging Oak Island podcast. Shameless plug time. Don't forget, you can really help out the show by becoming a patron. Go to patreon.com slash Digging Oak Island to learn more. If you think this show is worth five bucks a month to you, head on over there and help us out. Also, if you have, um, if you want to help out in another way, not with money, you can do so with um, a rating and review on Apple Podcasts or anywhere you get your shows. Give us a five-star rating, leave a review. It helps get the word out on the show. Thanks to everybody who's done that already. You've left all the reviews. I love reading them. Uh, my wife loves reading them too. Um, so thank you for the kind words. Thank you for taking the time to do that. Also, you can follow the show on Facebook and Twitter. We are at Diggin' Oak Island. And if you have any comments or questions you want to send directly to me, you can do so via email, diggin'oakisland at gmail.com. Just keep in mind, if you do send me an email or a direct message on social media, I may just answer it right here on the podcast. So if you don't want your message read to the listening audience, just make a note of that for me. Well, it's crown time. So until we speak again, I'm Dave McBride. Thank you for listening to Digging Oak.